Hello, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. So if you remember from a couple episodes back, um, the last time I talked about the whole Joe Biden, Tara Reid situation, I had made mention of a piece that I wanted to give its own episode just because. So this is that episode where we're going to discuss that particular piece. And if you did happen to miss that episode, it's not the last one, but the one before that. But basically, kind of discussing the whole situation right now that the Me Too slash Believe Women movement has with Joe Biden right now, because obviously now you have this accusation of sexual assault against Joe Biden that is obviously more damning than the one that was against Kavanaugh or against most of the guys that get caught up in this Me Too movement. And by the way, by when I say damning, I don't necessarily mean that it's more or less credible, but the the allegation itself actually does rise to the level of rape. Like it, it's he's actually accused of rape, not of sexual harassment or of being weird or being awkward or taking pictures or anything like that. He's being accused of actual honest to God, legal standard rape. So like I said, I wanted to do this this episode about this piece because this just, in all of the sort of excuse making and, and pretzel twisting and contorting of the movement to try to figure out a way that you can say that you believe Tara Reid, but that you're still also going to support Joe Biden and not acknowledging that that doesn't make any sense given your own standards and your own previously asserted principles. But let's go ahead and get into the piece. Uh, The title of it is, I believe Tara Reid, I'm voting for Joe Biden anyway. And it is by Linda Hirschman, who apparently is the author of a book titled Reckoning, The Epic Battle Against Sexual Abuse and Harassment. So just just to give you a bit of background here, this is not somebody who's just kind of tangentially involved in this. Like you wrote a whole damn book about sexual harassment and assault, and you're still going to take this stance. All right. So anyway, let's go ahead and get into the piece. Let's be clear. I believe Tara Reid. I believe Danita Hill, too. Remember the buttons? I wore one. What's the constant here? Joe Biden. Then the bumbling head of the Senate Judiciary Committee during the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings, now the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee. Long before Miss Reed, before the reports of the rubbing and the sniffing, I interviewed an advisor to Miss Hill, who said she tried to warn Mr. Biden of what was happening in the Thomas hearings, how unchecked Republicans were smearing an upright woman's character. But the United States Senate was still very much a boys club back then, the advisor told me, and there was no getting through to him. Democratic primary voters knew all about Mr. Biden's membership in that boys club when they still had time to pick someone else. Alas. So what's a girl to do now? Discounting Miss Reed's accusations and, one after another, denigrating her corroborating witnesses, calling for endless new evidence, avowing that you hear her is nonsense. We are now up to four corroborating witnesses, including one contemporary corroborating witness unearthed by Rich McHugh, who was Ronan Farrow's producer at NBC News during the Harvey Weinstein Me Too reporting and one Larry King live tape. So stop playing gotcha with the female supporters of Mr. Biden or the Me Too movement, making them lie to the camera or perhaps to themselves about doubting her to justify their own voices. All right, here's the thing about that. 
If you believe Tara Reid and you believe her witnesses and you believe all the corroborating evidence that has come forward, then I would think this would be a no-brainer for you, provided that you are somebody who actually lives by the principles that they have previously stated are so very important and the standards that we must abide by, you would think that obviously you would not support Joe Biden. Like that would that would be the logical conclusion, right? But obviously, Hirschman still is planning on voting for Biden. I mean, okay. And as far as making people lie to the camera or to themselves and to be fair, there have been a lot of people in the press asking various and assorted women, both in Senate and in Congress in general, women in politics about this, but not until recently actually asking Joe Biden directly, which was kind of fucked up. Like, if you want to know something, ask Joe Biden instead of asking all these women what their opinion is of Joe Biden or whether they think he did it or not. It's really not super relevant when you can just go directly to the source. But on the other hand, nobody's making them lie. Like nobody's making you twist yourself into these pretzels except for you. So, I mean, it just, I know, I know sometimes standing on principle is difficult and scary and makes you have to make choices that you may not necessarily want to make. But if you want to be principally consistent, then they're the choices that you have to make. Sure, it sucks, but that's the point of having standards and principles is that you apply them across the board and they're not situational. That's the whole idea. So getting back to the piece, I'll take one for the team. I believe Miss Reed and I'll vote for Mr. Biden in the fall. I won't say it will be easy. I have been writing on and agitating for women's equality since the feminine mystique came out in 1963. I know how supposedly liberal men abuse the sexual revolution in every imaginable way. I am unimpressed by their lip service to feminism, their Harvard degrees, or to their donation to feminist causes. In 1998, I was one of a few establishment feminists to argue on behalf of Monica Lewinsky when the unofficial representative of the movement, Gloria Steinem, threw her under the bus in the pages of the New York Times to protect Bill Clinton. I maintained my position until, two decades and a Me Too movement later, Ms. Steinem issued a non-apology for that essay. So I hate, hate, hate to say the following. Suck it up and make the utilitarian bargain. No, you really don't have to. And... Oh, boy. If this is how you view things as this binary, when there are other options, but you are apparently too chicken shit to explore those other options. I mean, I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to say in sympathy for you. I, I don't know what you want from me or from anybody else who's looking at this from the outside and saying, well, I, I don't I don't understand. Like if you if you think that he's a rapist, if you believe Tara Reid, then you believe that Joe Biden is a rapist because that's what she's accusing him of is rape. Then why what? So you, you want to replace one guy in the White House who you think is a rapist with another guy who you think is a rapist? What what did that get you? I mean, it just, it's not logically consistent and there's just not, 
I mean, policy-wise, and this is obviously me being a libertarian looking at this, I don't like either man anyway. And honestly, I don't see there going to be a lot of policy changes if you get Joe Biden in there versus Donald Trump. Um, Maybe Joe Biden will spend more time in his basement in Williamsburg. No, not Williamsburg, wherever he is. You know what I mean, which I, I will take that right now. I mean, I wish we could lock Trump in a basement until this whole thing is over. But yeah, now, now you, Hirschman, not you, but Hirschman, it's interesting to see how now all of a sudden you understand somebody's motivations now that it's you in the hot seat and that you're going to do the thing that you raked someone else over the coals for doing. That's not principally consistent. <laughs> That's just not what you do. But anyway, back to the piece. All major Democratic Party figures have indicated they're not budging on the presumptive nominee and the transactional costs of replacing him would be suicidal. Barring some miracle, it's going to be Mr. Biden. And that I agree on. I mean, I keep seeing people float this idea that maybe somehow or another they'll get rid of Biden and put I don't know who in in his place. That's not happening. It's going to be Joe Biden. Don't make the same mistake that a lot of conservatives made in 2016 and thinking that somehow at the convention, some miracle is going to happen and you're going to get rid of this nominee that is just massive, just a whole Louis Vuitton's worth of excess baggage that comes along with this person. There ain't no savior. Ain't nobody saving you. So on that level, I can understand where Hirschman's coming from, but it's still just, it, no, it just, Principally, it does not make any sense. So, back to the piece. So, what is the greatest good? What is the greatest good or the greatest harm? Mr. Biden and the Democrats he may carry with him into the government are likely to do more good for women and and the nation than his competition, the worst president in the history of the republic. Um, there's a couple other guys in the running for worst president in the history of the republic. Anyway, moving on. Compared with the good Mr. Biden can do, the cost of dismissing Tara Reid and worse, weakening the voices of future survivors is worth it. And don't call me an amoral realist. Utilitarianism is not a moral abdication. It is a moral stance. What, what good exactly is it going to do for women if the movement that claims to be supportive of women who come forth with allegations of sexual assault abandons a woman that comes forth with allegations of sexual assault. What good does that do? All that does is show that the whole movement was bullshit, which kind of sucks because I do think in the beginning, the Me Too movement did have some sort of decent moral footing in going after guys like Harvey Weinstein and guys of that nature and kind of exposing some of the more pervasive sexual attitudes towards women that have been going on for decades. But then it, like a lot of movements do, got hijacked by people who wanted to use the movement for their own purposes, be they political, be they wanting to get revenge on a dude. I think at some point in the middle of all this, 
it, it kind of got taken over by this sort of bloodlust in a way where you got a couple of victories. And so all of a sudden it's now like open season on every man who ever wronged you in any way, shape or form. And shit just got out of control. Like it just got completely, utterly out of control. And I still maintain that when all this is said and done, we're going to look back and the Anziz and Zari incident is going to be the place where everybody kind of pegs it as jumping the shark because that was really the first one where everyone was like, no, this does not, this does not belong here. This is not sexual assault. This isn't even sexual harassment. This isn't sexism. It's not anything. It's just you had bad sex with a dude and now you're co-opting this movement to try to slander a dude for being bad in bed. So... I mean, the whole thing went off the rails, which sucks because I do think there could have been a lot of good to come out of it because there is a lot of stuff that needs to be unpacked and discussed. But like I said, it just, it got hijacked. And now this is where we're at. It It's hijacked by politics. And now you're deciding that it is more important to support Joe Biden than it is to support Tara Reid, even though you believe Tara Reid. Like, what sense does that make? Like, how do you still have a movement after this if the whole movement decides? And it looks like the whole movement is kind of contorting itself to get to this position that you are still going to support Joe Biden, even if you believe Tara Reid. I mean, where where do you go from there? I mean, what what does that say about your movement? Aside from the fact that it's all political now and it has nothing to do with believing survivors or supporting survivors or even supporting women in general. Because if you go back to the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings and the Ford situation, she was used as a victim. Because if you remember, all the way back in the beginning of that, the letter that she wrote to Feinstein's office specifically said that she did not want these accusations to be made public. She did not want her name out there. It was put out there. Same way, is it, and then she was just used. And now the same way this poor woman is going to be used and just tossed aside. But except now she's getting tossed aside a hell of a lot earlier because what you're saying isn't politically convenient to the people who want to hear it. Like, it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of beyond the point of being overly surprised by anything anymore but just the the cynicism of this is just kind of staggering and it's it's really shitty it just it it sucks because there are survivors of sexual assault who do deserve to be heard and do deserve to have their claims taken seriously but apparently if you make those claims against somebody who is politically well connected or somebody who is favored by the people in the me too movement then you're nobody well who are you like it doesn't matter what you say and and you could say all day that you believe her unless you're willing to do something about it then it, that doesn't mean shit you know like it's just oh my lord anyway Back to the piece. Utilitarianism arose from the Industrial Revolution, a time of terrible economic inequality and abuse. It was intended to make a moral claim for the equality of all creatures who can feel pain and experience pleasure. Weigh it. Don't a few extra cents for every worker matter more than the marginal dollar for the boss? Weigh it. Won't the good 
of all of the Americans who will benefit from replacing Donald Trump with Joe Biden, including the masses of women who will get some crumbs, count for more than the harm done to the victims of abuse? Um, to answer the question, no. No, it doesn't. You're going to sacrifice the, the victims of abuse for crumbs by your own definition, by your own sort of explanation or way of putting it? No. No, that's not okay. That's not okay at all. And I, I thought that was the whole point of the Me Too movement, is that making those sorts of compromises isn't okay. That you don't have to do that anymore. That you don't have to suck it up and go along with it to try to get some kind of crumbs off of a table somewhere. I thought that was the whole fucking point. Like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? I, I, wow. Just, it's staggering. It's just, it's staggering to see the mental gymnastics that are being done to try to justify this stance. But moving on. Utilitarian morality requires that I turn my face away from the people I propose to settle out. Monica Lewinsky, Tara Reid. This is agonizingly hard for me to do. Pretending not to believe the complainants, which is what is taking place with Miss Reed, or that they're loose nobodies, which is much of what the media did to Mrs. Lewinsky, is just an escape from the hard work of moral analysis. And it adds to the harm. How is feminism advanced by casting a reasonably credible com- complainant as a liar? Better to just own up to what you're doing. Sacrificing Miss Reed for the good of the many. The first time I read that last paragraph, my jaw pretty much hit the floor. But on second reading... You know what? I appreciate it because I appreciate anybody who just point blank comes out and says what it is that they're really doing instead of trying to come up with some excuse or justification for why it is you have this fucked up opinion. Uh, just, Just say what it is that you mean to say. I respect people that do that, even if I don't agree with you. And obviously, I do not agree with Hirschman here. But I will respect the hell out of anyone that just point blank says, this is what I'm doing. And you're not really trying to justify it because you're admitting to what you're doing. And I mean, and, and this is a bit of justification of trying to say like, well, I'm I'm picking A over B. But again, you don't have to make that choice. There are other options here. Like... I just, oh no, we've got to get people out of binary thinking. That is, that is going to be the hardest thing that libertarians ever have to do is getting people out of binary thinking so that you can stop thinking that this is your choice, that you have to make these sorts of moral compromises. No, you don't. There's other ways. There's other options here, people. So anyway, moving on. Contemplating the act makes me feel a little like Gloria Steinem circa 1998. I was so sure I'd never do what she did, and I still think saving Mr. Clinton for two years at the cost of Miss Lewinsky was a terrible move. Denigrating Miss Lewinsky denied all women vulnerability to powerful men, and replacing Mr. Clinton with another Democratic centrist, Al Gore, would have been a perfectly acceptable outcome. But it also makes me remember why Mrs. Steinem did it. And uh, that's Miss Steinem, excuse me. I would never want to accidentally misintroduce Miss Gloria Steinem. I mean, she invented a whole magazine called Miss Magazine. So 
um, wow. I mean, I don't really know what to say to that. That's just, so, oh my lord. That's a lot to unpack. So, like, you, you thought that Bill Clinton should have been sacrificed on this altar, but you don't think Joe Biden should be sacrificed on this altar. I, I, okay. And I mean, if there was a situation where Joe Biden stepped out, like he's not going to be forced out, he would have to step out. Obviously, there would be somebody else picked. In the same way that when they did this to Al Franken, obviously somebody else got Al Franken's job. I mean, I, I don't... Wow. So so basically, you're comfortable standing by your principles, provided there's a convenient stopgap behind them that would make you feel more comfortable. That's not how this works. That's not how standing by your principles work. You have to do it even when it's probably going to suck for you. That's how this works. Anyway, the other side at the time, emboldened by special counsel Kenneth Starr, was so awful. Mr. Starr's censorious Republican Party seemed posed much more of a threat to women's interests than Mr. Clinton's libertinism did. Maybe yes, maybe no, but that's not the standard that we're supposed to be applying here. The standard that we're supposed to be applying here is do you believe the accusations and if so, based on prior activity and prior stances, that means that that man needs to go away. Not not getting into some kind of like gray area of, well, we had this and we had that and there were these people and that people and that. No, 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 no. Moving on. Today, the Trump-Pence ticket looks even worse. Mr. Trump, credibly accused of rape and a confessed grabber of women's genitalia, and Mr. Pence, who will not dine alone with a woman other than his wife, who he calls mother, combine both Mr. Starr's and Mr. Clinton's belief systems, offering voters in one ticket the full spectrum of misogyny. Mr. Biden, that relic of the good old boy Senate years, seems positively benign by comparison. How so? You think he's a rapist? If you, again, if you believe Tara Reid, then you think Joe Biden is a rapist. How do you square that circle? I mean, you got one person who you think is a rapist, you got another person you think is a rapist. And then you got Mike Pence, who you just think is creepy as fuck, which, I mean, yeah, kind of creepy. But (laughs) maybe, maybe the whole not dining alone with other women thing is starting to make a little more sense now. I don't know. Still creepy. And, and still both sides. Misogynistic. You still have Joe Biden who thinks it's okay to be touching women and sniffing them and rubbing their shoulders and not asking for permission to do any of this. Like, no, you don't have access to women's bodies like that without asking for permission, dude. Like, I thought everybody got the memo. Maybe not. Apparently not Joe Biden, which is probably why he should just stay in his basement (laughs) until such a time as he can figure this shit out. But you're making... You got two old dudes who do pretty much the same shit per Hirschman's accusations or beliefs. 
So what, what is replacing one with the other going to get you? Really? Honestly? <laughs> Hold on. We're, we're almost done. So once again, philosophy ans- offers an answer to my quest for justice. Philosophers for at least three centuries have known that there can be no call to justice in, an, in a situation of extreme scarcity. David Hume, who originated the analysis, suggested that nobody can be expected to behave justly when trying to survive a shipwreck. The great modern philosopher John Rawls called modern scarcity, or the absence of extreme scarcity, one of the circumstances of justice. The Trump administration and the Republican Party that he represents are unassailably the political equivalent of Hume's shipwreck. Offering only hatred, rejecting facts, refusing accountability, they represent the wreckage of the American ship of state. We knew that before 70,000 Americans died of COVID-19 in a spectacle of villainy and incompetence. But where you are faced with a distasteful moral choice, it can be useful to be reminded of the immensity of stakes in making that choice. It may not be just, but I'm swimming away from Mr. Trump's sinking ship as hard as I can. If I have to, I'll vote for Mr. Biden. I hope I'm not going to drown anyway. Now, I agree. Trump is a horrible president. I am not understanding how replacing one horrible president with another guy who I'm pretty sure will also be a horrible president is a step up. What, just because he has the right letter behind his name? Like, honestly, Joe Biden's policies suck. They really fucking suck. Like, I don't, I'm not really even seeing, like I said, from a policy position, how this is going to be an upgrade. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe Supreme Court picks? That's about it? Like, the courts, I guess? I mean, sure, he did the whole Violence Against Women Act. Congratulations. Like I've already said, you want a cookie for doing what you're supposed to do? You want a cookie for supporting legislation against violence against women? Like, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what normal humans do. I'm not giving you a round of applause for that. And just the the boatload of awful, awful legislation that he's backed. It's just like I I don't I don't see where one is going to be better than the other. And again, like I said several times, if you believe Tara Reid, then you believe Joe Biden's a rapist. And so you got one rapist or another rapist. Which rapist do you think is going to make a better president? This is where we're at. This is why I don't understand why people don't think that like right now is a good time to try to make inroads as libertarians into this system. Because look at who the hell is running and look at what people are having to do to justify this. Like, it's just staggering. But anyway, I said I was going to do an episode on this piece just because this is one of the most complete examples of the sort of mental tricks that those who support the Me Too movement and those who claim to believe women and to support women who come forth as victims of sexual assault are having to do to justify going in November and mashing that button for Joe Biden. Like, it's, it's wild to watch. And as, as, as wild as it is to watch, it is also kind of shitty to watch because it just, it sucks to watch people who have spent years espousing a certain standard, throw it onto the trash heap the minute it becomes inconvenient for them. And like, we all knew it was going to happen. And and most of us tried to warn them that this would happen, that like, if you start setting up this standard, if this is, 
If this is the standard you want to institute, don't be surprised when the day comes that it bites you in the ass and nobody wanted to listen, but here we are. And so now you got to do all this crazy shit in your head to try to do this two-step of saying that you believe Reed, but that you also believe Biden. Like, it can't be both. Like, you can't believe... It just... Oh, my God. There's so much that just it doesn't make any sense that these people are doing. And it's just... It's a situation that they put themselves in. Like, nobody did this to them but themselves. We warned you. We warned you. We warned you. You didn't listen. And now here you are. This is your bed. Go lay in it. Have fun. I mean, this is pretty much going to end the Me Too movement. For better or for worse. I mean, I don't I don't see where you go from here. I don't see where you say, oh, I believe Tara Reid, but fuck Tara Reid. We, no. Sorry. Yeah, the stakes are too high for us to really believe you in the way that you need to be believed and to really do something about it because it's just too politically inconvenient. So, sorry. <laughs> and I kind of feel bad for Tara Reid, too. I mean, whether you believe it or don't believe it, this has not exactly been a cakewalk for her. It's not a cakewalk for any victim of sexual assault to come forward because you do have people trying to make these justifications and trying to say, oh, well, she did this, she did that, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just shitty. It's just shitty all the way around. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty good place to stop this one. It's, it's just shitty all the way around. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So obviously, if you made it this far, as always, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.